Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone, welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 326 of the World's Most Dangerous Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. With me again this week, your friend and mine, the author of the award-winning book, The Big 50, The Men and Moments That Made the Cincinnati Reds, Chris Garber. How are you today, Chris? I am real and I am spectacular. <laughs> this is true. This is true. All right. So as there is uh, every week, not a ton to talk about, but we do have a little bit to discuss. And I think Chris and I have a a discussion that really needs to be had surrounding uh, what's going on in baseball right now. But first, there's some Cincinnati Reds related news. Man, this is exciting. Michael Lorenzen did a, a bullpen session on Instagram Live. You know, Three years ago, I'm not sure I would have understand a, understood a single word of that sentence. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, well, that's good. Good for that, I guess. The Reds' uh, reliever Michael Lorenzen threw a 100.3 mile per hour pitch, according to the app on his phone. Boy, what a world! You can have a radar gun app on your phone. Evidently, I'm looking at it right now. You can view more on Instagram. I'm... Well, that's cool. So are you as He's exci- in midseason form? <laughs> That's right. Who would have known that he would be in midseason form in June June? Oh. Yeah, we would have expected that. Yeah. So you know, is this gonna throw I'm sorry to interrupt, but is this gonna throw off the whole best best shape of his life in spring training? <laughs> we may get some worst shape of his life stories, you think? I mean, I'm in the worst shape of my life, having spent several weeks sitting at home drinking beer and eating uh having full access to the kitchen twenty four seven. You know, we have so many good athletes in uh, Major League Baseball these days, but can you imagine some of the guys from our childhood sitting <laughs> sitting through you know, the three months of just, like, think about Bob Horner. Remember Bob Horner? <laughs> Bob Horner always, always like, in my mind, he had mustard stains on his white blue jersey. I don't, yeah. I don't think he really did, but that's how I imagine him, how I remember, remember him. Absolutely. Now, I think earlier in his career, his name was Greg Luzinski. I can't really remember when he changed his name. Same guy, though. No, you're, no, you're confusing him with Greg Gross. Okay, I'm sorry. I apologize. Yeah. So uh, I would expect most of the Reds uh, are going to be in fine shape, I guess, if they play. And that's the next discussion. Let me just run quickly through what we saw this week, Chris. And I want to get your take on it, at which point I will disagree with everything you say. Is that fair enough? Fair enough. Okay. So early in the week, the players, you know, previous podcast, we've talked about the ongoing negotiations. And I'll try to kind of run through this as quickly as I can. The players came back with a proposal. Their proposal was that uh, salary would be prorated by games played like they'd agreed way back when. And they proposed a 114-game schedule ending on October 31st, which would uh, end up in a 14-team playoff, seven from each league. And I don't know if they're still planning to set it up National League, American League, or whatever. But uh, seven playoff teams in each league, top team getting a bye, 114 games. And uh, they also had some interesting things like They'd be willing to wear microphones on the field during games, all-star game, home run derby during the offseason, things like that. Anyway, that hit, and almost immediately, John Heyman, who is quote-unquote a reporter, uh, had a, a quote from one ownership, one quote ownership person. I don't know what an ownership person is, but this ownership person said it's a non-starter, the 114-game proposal. Now, do you want to say anything about that first before we go into what happened after that, discussions after that? So what I liked about the players offer is that it seemed to put into play 
multiple variables, multi, which means multiple things that each side can give on, but a pretty a, aligned on a singular framework, which is that pro rata. You get paid your normal rates for how many games you play. Right. So I was actually very optimistic when I heard that offer because it felt like they could they could meet somewhere in there. When it, g- it gave each side enough things they could give on. They could give on the deferment piece. They could give on how many games. They could give on... Uh, you know, the, 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 the special things, the microphones and all that, but it, uh, it didn't, it let each side get the one thing that they was most important to them, which for the players is getting their normal rate per game. And for the owners, which is, uh, seems to be the total amount they have to spend. Yeah. So it, it felt to me like a framework that you could work with. I was uh, relatively optimistic like you when that first was uh, was announced in the in the press because my my first thought was okay there's room to maybe drop back to an 82 game season or 81 game season and uh you know still make this thing happen I, uh, that's what it looked to me well the evidently the owners uh said basically they haven't come back with any proposal matter of fact they said they weren't going to but uh Rob Manfred Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred best commissioner of baseball history what do you think no. Correct answer. He evidently, uh, Jeff Passan of ESPN reported that uh, Rob Manfred could invoke a 50-game season. It's basically a threat that we're, we'll just do a 50-game season and we'll give you your prorated salary. Which, you know, that doesn't help the players at all because, you know, they're wanting, they want more games, obviously, to get more of the salary. Okay, we'll give you a prorated salary, but we're just going to play 50 games. And, uh, and that's not an official proposal, but that's what uh, evidently Passan reported that you know, Manfred uh, was thinking, quote unquote. Um, does that seem as, uh, you know, kind of insane as uh, it, it seems to me? Yeah. I mean, I, I still, I still haven't given up hope that they're going to come to their senses, but, um, you know, the, the window's closing. I mean, Joe Poznanski's newsletter came out about an hour ago and it's a couple hours ago and it says the title's Baseball Missed Its Moment. Yeah. And, you know, the gist of it is like, look, all the other sports now have a timeline to come back. And this is baseball season and there's no baseball. And baseball is at its best when it's at the forefront of things. Whether it's, you know, Jackie Robinson or or anything else, it's baseball needs to be out front and the decreasing share of imagination and attention and love that the game has now they they really couldn't afford to screw around and they're they're still screwing around so it's 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 a downer i mean i I think there are enough people i think dick williams was quoted as saying uh you know he's still optimistic there's going to be a season and so forth so i still think they've got the moving pieces to get something done but i i don't know if if the owners feel any sense of urgency to actually do it i i I haven't seen the cracks in the front, which is what you normally see. You know, kind of, you normally get the idea. Okay, these are the hardliners, these are the the other guys, and then there's kind of the squishy middle. And I don't know who's driving it, but it does feel like there are certain ownership groups who are would be content to just shut it down, lay everybody off, not incur any uh, payroll, and they have this misconception that they can come back next next spring and we're all going to be there. 
Yeah, that's what's the most frustrating thing to me is this was this may be the only time in our lifetimes that baseball ever has a chance to sort of capture the American consciousness uh, in in a, in a fashion like they have the opportunity to right now when it really would be in the only game in town and uh, can really a lot of people are desperate for some sports and something as a diversion over you know real life uh, to the extent that that's possible these days but baseball has been kind of in this slow decline for a while and I don't see any urgency from anyone inside the game to worry about the long-term impact of, for example, canceling the season. And I don't know if the players should be concerned about that. They have short careers, and I know the Players Union wants to work for players that are coming as well, but they need to get as much money as they can because their careers are are, are, are relatively short. A couple of other quick reports, and we heard one report that there are some owners that uh, basically would be willing to just punt on the season. And then Joel Sherman from, uh, I think he's the MLB Network, a reporter, he tweeted this week, I'm told, somebody sent me a screenshot because I I abandoned Twitter this week. We'll talk about that later, maybe. I have heard greater pessimism today from folks on both sides about MLB launching a season than at any point. People who previously thought the sides would find a way are now expressing at least greater doubt, often more than that. MLB has rejected the union's 114-game regular season proposal. They plan no counter. They are sitting on essentially implementing a 48 to 54 game season for full prorated salaries or 82-ish at less than prorated. Can you believe the, if all this is accurate, and again, we don't, I'm not in these rooms. Does it astound you as much as it does me, the just sort of limited, short-sighted, short-term thinking on the part of the owners when, when they really should be looking to grow the game? It's such a great opportunity to grow the game in, in some ways. It, Am I reading that too wrong? Well, I, I will just say that in in businesses and boardrooms all around the country, leaders are are trying to make sense of of what they're looking at and what they face. And and yeah, Major League Baseball is a very healthy, profitable enterprise. But what they're looking at is is unprecedented, and I am not surprised that. Some, at least, of those owners see this as a threat and a time for retrenchment and not a time for investment in the future. I, you know, I don't know that the game has been perfect in terms or anywhere close or even good in terms of thinking that way to begin with. So now you take a, a, a massive threat, which is take away all the people, the beer, the beer buying and souvenir buying public from the stands and add a bunch of uncertainty. I'm not surprised. I don't think it's wise. I think they should be investing. This is the time they could make up ground on other leagues in a way that they haven't. But I'm not surprised. Yeah, and maybe it's that been that way for a long time that – Ownership has been, you know, sort of short-sighted like that. But for a few years now, baseball has been pretty firmly the number three sport in the American consciousness. And, and that gets back to what you were just saying. This is an opportunity to maybe at least close the gap some on the NFL and the NBA. And uh, they seem intent on just uh, kicking kicking that away when they could have gained so much uh, goodwill from the viewing public. I don't know. I do want to – one thing I wanted to address with you, Chris, is let's say – for the sake of argument, and it doesn't even seem like it's uh, the sake of argument, it seems like a distinct possibility that there is no 2020 season. 
I already said on the, one of my final tweets, <laughs> um, <laughs> my opinion, I, I can't see coming back to care about this game really ever again. I've got so many other things I can do. And I just, I think I'm probably out as uh, anything more than just a very, very casual baseball fan at that point. And, and, you know, I've been one of the most dedicated fans for years. We do a dumb podcast. I mean, you know, uh, and this is no threat. Nobody cares that, uh, that I'm, you know, banging my fist and saying, I'm not coming back. And, you know, if you guys don't show back up, I just don't see any reason why I should care about this sport when really this sport uh, and my team in particular has smacked me in the face for most of the last three decades. So now tell me how I'm overreacting. Cause I'm, I'm sure that I am. No, you're not. I'm, I'm right there with, well, I'll tell you how you react or you're overreacting. You're overreacting because you are saying that you're giving up on the sport. And I am not giving up on the sport of baseball. Excellent point. I would be giving up on the business of major league baseball because I'm right there with you on that. I, my interest has been flagging for years. Um, you know, as I get older, my kids are playing baseball and I got other stuff going on. I mean, I don't have as much time and I don't know. I've just got other things going on, but I, like I said on Twitter myself, I've learned to live without baseball. We would now be what? 70 games into the season, something like that, maybe 60. And it's like a, a phantom limb in some ways. I reach for it sometimes. I, I was getting on the lawnmower the other night and I reached down for my, my radio. I was going to listen to the game and it's not there, but, uh, you know, I just put on a podcast and off I went. So I'll still watch baseball. I'll still read about the history of baseball. They're not going to take Ed Armbrister away from me. Thank goodness. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I'm gonna, I don't think I'll be back. I really don't. I, it's, it's, it's just not worth it to me to, to deal with it. So if they play this year, I'll be really excited and I'll watch a lot of it. But if they don't, I'm done. Yeah. And again, it's not, a, it's not a threat. They're not going to miss me, right? but I'm not going to drive down two hours to go to a Reds fest anymore. Yeah. They, they may miss millions of us. I'm not going to be, you know, I love doing this podcast, but I spend hours every week talking about baseball and recording my voice on baseball. And you know, when the season's going, writing about baseball every single week. And you know, I just, you, you stated it the right way in terms of, it's not the sport. It's just these, these, you know, the major league version of it and the business of it, because, uh, you mentioned on, on Twitter, you know, you're still going to really love watching your kids play. My, my son next year is going to be fighting for a spot on the varsity and I'll, I'm going to be excited to watch him wherever he's playing. And I, I'll still I love, and I've, I've hated that I've had to miss his season this year, um, his uh, school season anyway, but, uh, you know, I'll still love that. I'll still go watch that. And, you know, i I've been watching a little bit of the baseball, uh, Ken Burns baseball documentary. It's fun. Love it. I've watched it a hundred times and it's still, I get a kick out of it. So uh, I just, okay, I, I don't want to, I sound like a baby when I'm saying this and I know that's why it's going to be taken. I don't care. Whatever. I am a baby, but uh, am I going to have the energy to uh, record, a, record and edit and publish a, and uh, promote a podcast every week? You know, if 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 they show so little regard for me, the fan, I, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm whining, and I guess I am. But yeah, you know, it's my it's my show. I can well, laugh if I want to. No, and and you I mean what bugs me is you know I I obviously saw the the interview that Dayton Moore from the Royals gave uh, the other day about how the Royals are going to keep paying their uh, 
keep paying their minor leaguers. And he's like, you know, this is not, this is about the game and the sport. Because these are the guys, these guys aren't going to make, the guys who are, the other teams are releasing are never going to make the major leagues. But they're going to go back home and they're going to coach junior college and they're going to teach kids to play the game and to love the game. And and that's the part that Rob Manfred and others have seemed so comfortable, even eager, to throw over the side. Is anything that doesn't help the immediate bottom line of the 30 owners of the Major League franchises? And that that's just a... I know they're not running a charity, but they are, in my opinion, running kind of a public trust, especially because taxpayers have paid for most of their ballparks. Yeah, it, it's so it, yeah, it's yeah. not a charity, and it's not a you know, uh, it, it's a situation where I think that's the way to put it is it's a public trust in some ways. I mean, I, I know that it's a business to them, and it's becoming ever more uh, apparent how much of a business. But uh, you know, I just don't see. I don't know. I'm confused. They're, they're treating it like a widget factory. Yeah. Where you 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 get the widgets produced for as low a cost as you can and you sell them for as much as you can and nothing else matters. And if we can use this opportunity to break the players union, which will put our uh, labor costs even lower, hopefully, then man, we're really going to make more money off uh, off this. And you know, and it's, I expect it's, a, a bit, uh, so, you know, I expect some uh, corporate dude in a suit somewhere to be wanting to do that. But baseball's it's, not, yeah. uh, you know, the widget factory. It's it's the, uh, it's yeah, it's the 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 hedge fund management style, <laughs> where every every business partner is someone to squeeze, and every you know employee is someone to lay off if you can, and every customer is someone to gouge. Yeah, I, I may be overstating it, but it's it's just it's a bummer right now. It really is a small bit of, I don't know if you can even call it optimism, but you mentioned Dick Williams, a Reds president of baseball operations. He had some quotes this week on the, uh, the hot stove league show with Tommy thrall and our guy, Jim day. And he, here, here's his quote just to say it right now. The sides are talking, getting down to brass tacks. They're exchanging specific proposals. Um, want to get in the most amount of games. That's the, that's what they're arguing about. The sooner we get going, the better. There's no reason we can't get this thing started soon. We've got some economic issues that the Players Association and MLB are going to work out and some health discussions to be had. I'm confident our staff will implement all the health protocols and the players will be kept safe. So let's get the economic issues resolved and get going. I really think both sides want to play. That's all I hear from our players. That's all I hear from our ownership. The sides want to make a deal happen. It's there to be had, and I think we're very close. Now, that being said, this is uh, Dick Williams, who has always been very careful about what he says. And I'm a fan of Dick Williams, a friend of the podcast, obviously. But uh, he's not involved in those negotiations. And, and he's, I guess he, he's kind of ownership, but uh, not really. So, I don't know. Make of that what you will. Do we want to talk about that anymore? No, no. But there's one other thing. I don't know if you if I'm stepping on your agenda here, but I don't know if you saw this. But uh, being off Twitter, D-O-T-C-O-M, did you hear the report today uh, that all um, the guy, a guy named Bruce Levine uh, from WSCRAM reported that all MLB announcers, TV and radio have been told they will be broadcasting 2020 games, the road games 
from either a local studio or the home the home broadcast booth with you all calling all games off monitors. I didn't see that, and it kind of makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, I mean it. It does. I mean it's it's you know it's, it's kind of they're doing it for uh, Carl Ravitch and and uh, Eduardo Perez and the gang are doing it for the Korean uh, games. So it's clearly possible, and I could see why they would want to cut down travel. It, it is a bit odd, though, because the, my understanding is the broadcasters fly on the team charter. So I don't know that they're really, I guess, a hotel and per <laughs> diem. Yeah, how much are you saving there, I guess? But. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, maybe it's just it's simpler. I also thought it was odd because I don't think that the uh, – that all the broadcasters are team employees. I think the radio are, but the TV guys work for the, the Fox Sports Ohio, I think. But maybe the, the, the way it works out, they just say this is how it's going to be. Yeah, maybe it's just a situation, a health thing, you know. You can spread more people out on the plane, yep. or you, know, you don't want to be going into some new ballpark and you don't know how clean it is in the broadcaster's booth or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, one, one less person in the traveling party to, to worry about. Uh, you know, I, I guess Marty's glad he retired because his golf uh, – You'd be playing the home course quite a bit more. <laughs> That's true, but I did seem shirtless on the beach this week on the on the Instagram. See, now I need to quit Twitter too and give more time to Instagram. <laughs> if that's the kind of content you can, oh man, you can look forward to hash brown content. I'm telling you, uh, yeah, they're on the beach we went to last year. I'm not a big beach guy, and now after seeing that, I'm even less of a beach guy. So <laughs> anyway, uh, you want to talk about Twitter? Uh, no, but I'd like to listen to you talk about it. No, I, I don't. I don't want to talk about it. I just. Oh, I tried to delete it this week, and then I, I can't because I still need to do the Red Leg Nation account. But uh, I moved it. Uh, I hit it in, in one of my folders. I moved it away from the front screen so that I won't just mindlessly click on it. I, I just I find my mental health is better when I stay away from from that website because I, I can't find very many people that are honest on any issue on that website sometimes, other than sports, which I which is the reason I like that website. I mean, yeah. when, when baseball comes back, I'll probably be back. But I'm just. Uh, Mental, yeah. My mental health uh, suffers when I spend too much time on Twitter. No, man, it's true. I mean, I have to kind of pay attention to it for, for professional reasons. Um, it's part of my job. But uh, I so today at work, I had uh, a bunch of meetings in the afternoon, all day, basically meetings and calls. And I was locked in on all that stuff and doing, getting some some good work done. And I felt so good at four o'clock. I'm like, I haven't even looked at that garbage <laughs> website all day long it's amazing how much better you feel so, yeah anyway i don't want to talk about that let's answer some uh, some questions you want to do that chris garber do we have some viewer mail we have some hashtag viewer mail but before we get to that i actually have an an, an electronic mail uh oh and, like a usenet yes it, it yeah no um cd63922 at prodigy.net exactly i'm looking at their bbs or something anyway um we got an email at, uh, at Red Leg Nation Radio this week from Brian O'Malley. And uh, and Brian said, this is not really a question, but I wanted to read it because it was, uh, I appreciated uh, him uh, reaching out. I started listening to the podcast after reading somewhere about the Building the Big Red Machine series. If you've not been listening to Building the Machine, we're 11 episodes into our 12. Look in the regular Red Leg Nation feed. You can listen to every single one of them or go to redlegnation.com. We've had a good time doing that series, but... He said, this morning while listening to episode number 325, I learned about Red Leg Journal, this book by Greg Rose and John Arardi that's fantastic, uh, which is a little dated now, but not really. Uh, anyway, he said, I found a used copy on Amazon. Can't wait to start reading it. Uh, thanks. 
from Brian. P.S. Hello from Norway. We got, we got listeners in Norway. Brian, you're the man. You ever been to Norway, Chris? No, I haven't. I would uh, I would like to know. I say, hello, Norge. <laughs> Excellent. All right, let's answer some viewer mail questions here. This week, the questions come from our friends at patreon.com slash redlegradio, where you too can support the podcast if you so desire. First question from our buddy Joe Farsing, who gets under the wire every single week. But he doesn't have a question here. Not a question, but the year 2020 should be canceled immediately, and we should go directly to 2021. No passing go, no collecting $200. Man, I would sign that legislation. I would I would like to skip this episode as well. <laughs> yes. Wait, what? I agree. So, yeah, 2020 can take a hike. This is the worst. Nathan Connor at patreon.com slash radio. The MLBPA, the Players Association, has a history of more success in labor negotiations than the other major North American sports players unions. But in the last 26 years, MLB owners have gotten a lot richer. I'd say the players have gotten a lot richer too, but yes, I get it. This feels like a dangerous plot point in current negotiations. Do you think 2020 owners are better positioned to wait out players than they were in 1994? Franchise values are multiple times larger. Owners have more personal wealth outside the team. Technology today gives them more ways to monetize their team's brand without actual games happening. If the union tries to use the same playbook they used from the 60s through the 90s, they may find that it won't work this time around. In my opinion, that comes back to what we were... Uh, good question, Nathan. Thank you. To something we were talking about earlier, I think that 2020 owners, I don't know if they're better positioned to wait out players, but I think they are... Uh, well, maybe they are in better position, and, and, and they're more resolved to do that because they feel like for the first time in a long time, they can get a win in uh, these negotiations. Does that make sense? Am I am off base there, Chris? you have any thoughts about that? I, I don't know. I think, I think it's possible for sure. And again, I think, I think it's probably a mix. I think there are some teams that can put, you know, put the season in their back pocket and be okay. There are probably others that are leveraged in different ways and have different revenue streams that would be in a real world of hurt. I mean, one thing a lot of commentators talk about a, Twitter Twitterators pontificate about is the the different revenue sources that teams have now, like you know ballpark districts and and uh, regional sports networks and things like that. And the, the idea is, well, you know, these guys have all this money coming in and they're going to be just fine. That's one argument I'm not sure I buy because all those revenue sources are directly tied to the game happening. Yeah. You know, if if the Reds got, and I don't think they do, but if the Reds owned a piece of the banks, do you think that's a good investment today? <laughs> Probably not. You You're know, right. yeah. no. I mean, they're not making any money. The Holy Grail isn't making any money right now. Those other restaurants down there aren't making money. The parking lot's not making money. Fox Sports Ohio isn't making money right now. So to the extent teams have squirreled away investments and and hidden and hidden that from revenue sharing and, and, and an idea if there's a player's you know a, a salary cap and floor, yeah. But the idea that they're diversified in some way in their income streams is is nowhere near close, in my opinion. Yeah, I think maybe it's just in in the they feel like in my mind again, and this is all speculation. Maybe they just feel like this is the one chance we're going to have. You know, you've heard during the the uh, COVID nineteen uh, crisis that especially in the early days of that, uh, 
heard some politicians say things like, uh, oh, you know, never let a good crisis go to waste. You know, try to try to implement some things that we couldn't get otherwise. And I just wonder if it's maybe a situation where we got this thing. We had a CBA uh, bargaining coming up uh, in 2021. And maybe this is an opportunity we can break that union or at least uh, break them to a, an extent that we haven't been able to in a while. At least get a win that we haven't in a while. That's I don't know. It's, it's a cynical. I, I bet there are a couple that that. I think there's definitely a couple owners who think that way. Yeah, I would think so. Probably not Dayton Moore. And I would I would doubt Bob Castellini, frankly, because it's not like the I can't imagine the liquidity is great in Cincinnati. Um, I mean, he's not starving, but I would think he needs games. So I don't know. Next question comes from Rich Thompson, and I'm just going to give you a heads up, Chris. I, I thought about this one. I, I'm not sure I've got an answer to it. So I'm looking forward to see if I. And you I haven't told this ahead of time, so I'm sorry for dropping it on you. But Rich asks, in your opinions, which former or current Reds player has had the most positive impact both on and off the field? Essentially the epitome of a leader and a role model. Which former or current Ooh. Reds player has had the most positive impact both on and off the field, the epitome of a leader and role model? Now, my first thought was Barry Larkin in terms of being a leader. Is Barry Larkin a role model? Yeah, I guess probably so. I mean, you know, yeah, um, he's Barry Larkin, and uh, he was he got a little cranky at the end of his career, but there was no real scandals ever around Barry Larkin, and he was, uh, you know, yeah, captain. I, I, I don't know that he's made a, you know, at least it's publicly made a difference off the field. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I mean, he's been he's certainly a good guy and a good citizen, as far as I know, and done nothing wrong. But it's not like he was. You know Reggie Williams, the old Bengal linebacker, who was a who was a city councilman or something like that. So I'm going to cheat here, I think, and name a guy who was uh, only barely a red, but I think I'm going to I'm going to talk about Christy Mathewson, mm-hmm. the Christian gentleman. For, yeah, what one one game is a red, I guess, something like that. Yeah. Uh, let's see. No, maybe uh, a few, but he, he played. Was, he, played he played. He came in at the end of the one season and played the next, I think. And traded for and Amos Ruzi. Yes, and then he he went off to uh, left the Reds to enlist in World War One, and uh, with his his buddy Ty Cobb <laughs> over there to serve the country. Yeah, and uh, got gassed accidentally, and uh, but just was a a he was the kind of guy who was, seemed to be as well known off the field as, as he was, uh, on the field. And obviously he's a hall of famer, uh, player. So it's kind of a cheat and I really don't know. Um, can't vouch for Christy Matheson. No, he, he did only play one game with the Reds ever to correct myself. Yeah. He was, he, he was one of these, uh, he managed them. He managed them for two years after that. He was one of the, and that was after he got, uh, gassed in, uh, World War. No, it was before. No, it was before. Oh, he, he didn't come back and manage them afterwards. Huh. No, he he left. He came back and was in uh, tuberculosis asylums or whatever you call those places. Oh, I thought sanitariums. He, I know during the nineteen nineteen series, I guess it was, or one of those series, he was doing some reporting, and that was shortly before he passed away. He uh, he was a guy that you know. As I, I don't think that's cheating because as I'm thinking about which Reds have had an impact off the field, like a real impact. We've had a bunch of guys that were good guys, uh, you know. Um, you know, Brandon Phillips went to every, every time the Reds community fund needed something, Brandon Phillips was there for him every time. And they, they've told me that. 
uh, Christy Matthewson at that time, and it's different because that's when baseball was the national pastime, but he was like a superstar. I mean, like, you know, not quite Babe Ruth level later, but he was as big a star as anyone in baseball at that time. And it's because he was such a role model for kids. If you go back and read all the glowing reports, and it's because he was, again, his nickname was the Christian Gentleman, you know. So I'm going to go with you on the Christy Matthewson, although I really wanted to say uh, Adam Dunn. Well, that's also valid. I mean, if Adam Dunn, you know, you saw him in there when he was uh, inducting the Hall of Fame. He's up there in that, uh, uh, you know, wherever he was uh, sitting up there at Great American Ballpark, double fisting Bud Lights. I mean, you know. <laughs> no, he wasn't double fisting. Technically, he had both beers in one hand. <laughs> Only Adam Dunn. That, that's, I don't know if it's double fisting or not. I mean, but he had two beer cans in one hand. Oh, man. Dunn, we love you, baby. Come on the podcast. Hooper Powell asks... Two questions. Number one, not sure if you're a golfer, but who would be in your current or past Reds foursome? Second one, also, if you had to choose one of the following movies to watch, Naked Gun or Spaceballs, it's my turn for movie night. My wife has not seen either. Second question first, I'm going to go Naked Gun, but I don't think you can go wrong on either of those. Do you have a, an opinion on that one? No, I, I, I think I like Spaceballs better. Okay, there you go. So, sorry, Hooper, we didn't help you at all there. Now, the first question. Not sure if you're a golfer. I play golf, but I'm not a golfer. Who would be in your current or past Reds foursome? So uh, let's come up with a foursome. I mean, I think Adam Dunn's in there, right? Adam Dunn's the guy driving the cart. (laughs) Yeah, we just, I don't know if I want him driving the cart, but he's riding in my cart. Um, Adam Dunn would be fun to play golf with. Fall out. (laughs) Who else you got? Uh, What about this one? Kevin Mitchell. You know, I, uh, no. I don't know that I want to commit to six hours. Just, you don't know. <laughs> I, I wouldn't mind having Billy Hamilton in my golf group. Oh, yeah. For probably for the same reason that a buddy of mine, when I was in when high school and college, he was one of my best friends through high school and college, I'd go play golf with him, you know, and uh, he said, get ready if you're going to play with me because I like to go move fast. He said, I'm like, uh, you know, my girlfriend dragging me around the mall back when they used to have... <laughs> Back when they used to have malls, you know, <laughs> just flying all around the course. So that's, is that what you're yeah. going for? Somebody plays quick? I just think he'd be fun to listen to. That's a good point. He has a ridiculous oh, accent. I've got another guy, and I guess this fills out. I mean, are, we, are you and I playing together, or, do I, or am I getting three? Why don't you get three? Okay, you've got one so far. you got Billy Hamilton. I've got two. I'm going with Dunn and, and Mitchell. Who's oh, your second? Dunn's already in your – that's uh, Joe well, you can take you can take Dunn as well. I'll take Joe Nuxall. No, you're, you guys are in a different cart. Oh, okay. All right. Joe Nuxall. Oh, man. That's a great one. You're about a guy that could talk and uh, drink a Bud Light and have a good time. You could probably hit it a long way, too. Probably. Man, that's a good call. That's a good call. All right. Who am I going to go with? Uh, let me let me pick somebody else here. Um, gosh. I, I want to go past, past Reds, and it's going to be Frank Robinson. What about Frank Robinson? I don't know. I thought about him too. I thought about him too. I wouldn't mind spending some time with Frank Robinson. It came down to, frankly, between, I was trying to decide between Frank Robinson and, and Dusty Baker, to be honest, because that's, that's who when you, yeah, <laughs> that's me too. Yeah. Two guys I think would be fun to talk about that are way more interesting than people realize. And I, yeah, those are the two. You got one more that we've not well, named? I'll, uh, or you can go ahead and take Dusty since I took Frank. No, you know, um, you know, Eric Davis is another obvious one for, uh, oh, which is yeah. something you know. Guys of our age are going to nominate Eric Davis for anything and everything, but I kind of just want to see what he'd wear. 
<laughs> right. Because it would be the coolest golfing clothes you've ever seen. And somehow he's going to have the funkiest swing, man. It's going to be gorgeous. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, Probably got like a tricked out bag. <laughs> oh, man. It's going to be great. Oh, man. I'm already imagining how awesome that would be. So if there's one Reds player, though, that, that you would consider one of your favorite players who you would not want to golf with, this is a question from me. For me, that is Chris Sabo. I love Chris Sabo. I don't. I don't want to play golf with him. It bored me to death. Oh yeah, I don't think I would enjoy that. Um, who who would I? Kevin Quackenbush. Uh, yeah, you want to talk about like favorite players that that you just have in a certain area? I don't know. You know, no, I'm not going to say anything because I mean, I'd like to play golf with Johnny Bench or Joe Morgan. That would be cool. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be great. You know, Absolutely. Ted Power. <laughs> Ted Power? Why wouldn't you? Tommy Hume? Yeah. Sure. Uh, we're getting back Doug to Doug Flynn. Doug Flynn. I don't think I'd want to play with Doug Flynn. <laughs> yeah, probably not Doug Flynn. Or Danny Graves. I'm not sure I'd want to play with Danny Graves, although he's he's uh, I'm coming around on Danny Graves. I yeah, I I'm coming around Danny Graves. I don't, I don't know if Danny Graves is coming around or I'm coming around or maybe a little bit of both. Yeah, maybe. But I I'm good. I'm good with him. All right. Uh, back to our viewer mail questions from patreon.com slash redleg radio. Philip Razor asks, that's the only reason I've missed Twitter is to see Philip uh, Razor's tweets, just for the record. He's posting a lot of selfies lately. Oh, well, I quit just in time. His question, butter on fruit flavored pop tarts. Yes or no? I have not eaten a Pop-Tart since about 1988. Yeah, same. So I have no opinion. Well, I have an opinion based on back when I ate Pop-Tarts growing up. And I did never never cared for the uh, the Pop-Tarts that had the icing on them. Wow. I just wanted a fruit. Kinds? <laughs> They're just a fruit-flavored Pop-Tart with no icing on it. And we would put butter on the front of it. And that's how I became 700 pounds by the time I got to college. <laughs> never heard of this. <laughs> really? Did you? No, I've never heard of this. Did Did you? Other related question. Did your family have butter? Because I never saw actual butter until I was probably 30 years old. That's a good point. We were a, a, we were a margarine house. Yeah, yeah. We were a margarine house as well. I couldn't believe it wasn't butter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So. We were, we were, and be very clear, we were a country crock family. Oh man, we were as well. Country crock, the big, uh, big brown bucket. Yes, exactly. Those could be reused to hold all sorts of things. Oh, they were so versatile. Legos, army men. <laughs> yes. Loose teeth. Good times. <laughs> Scholar Webker asks at patreoncom radio. Now, let me preface this question because we've had very little baseball to talk on our Slack channel, and that's one of the perks if you join us at the Patreon. You to join our Slack channel where we talk about Reds most of the time, but the last few weeks it's just been really bad. So things have been uh, getting a little bit crazy. And so they suggested if baseball doesn't come back, we just change this to Breadleg Nation Radio and, and talk, talk about bread. That's the ridiculous conversation we're having. So his uh, Scottish question is, on the world-famous Breadleg Nation Radio, rate <laughs> these breads, rye, pretzel, and cornbread. So here, here's my rating. Dude, Go ahead. Uh, well, I'm just asking, are, are these we eating legs made out of bread? <laughs> oh, gosh. Now that you say it that way, I'm not sure. I... 
I approve of that. Like a, like a turkey leg made out of bread or just a piece of bread. Okay, go ahead. We're just going to say just a, a piece of bread here. So rye pretzel. Okay, in, in its normal form. Okay. In its normal everyday form. Here's the way I rate those. Number one, this is kind of tough for me. One and two are close. I'm going to go cornbread number one, as you might expect given my accent. Pretzel number two and rye number three. What do you got for me, Chris Garber? Yeah, rye is in last. Yep, that, we agree on that. Um, I think I would, uh, that's tough, man. I was a cornbread guy growing up, you know, my grandmother made cornbread and, and, uh, good cornbread. Um, but I have come around to the pretzel roll as an adult and it's, it's fantastic. Get a, get a turkey sandwich on a pretzel roll. It's like you, oh yeah, you get a bonus. <laughs> that's right. I, I think I'm going to go pretzel cornbread close behind rye in 950th place yeah i think that's absolutely uh it's i can agree with that i don't agree with it but i can see where you're coming from and i don't object what what are those what are those crackers called the only thing worse than rye bread are those brown crackers <laughs> you know what i'm talking about i do they're in I... that in the in the mix in the checks mix <laughs> it's the worst melba toast melba toast <laughs> that's the worst bread product except Melba Toast was the name of a uh, of a car on uh, Dazed and Confused. That's right, it was. <laughs> Let me tell you oh what Melba gosh, Toast is packing here. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Beautiful. But in the bread form, I agree. That is just nasty. I don't know why they put that in the Chex Mix. Or as my oh, three-year-old yeah. son called it until he was about, uh, from starting about three till about now, as a matter of fact, because he thinks it's hilarious, Chex Mix. <laughs> nice. Just because it irritates nice. his mom. Check they, they should just put car, if they need filler, they should just put cardboard in there instead of Melba toast. <laughs> It'd be tastier. All right, Skyler. Yeah, well, what's that? Go ahead. No, that's it. All right, good. We don't need to talk about Melba toast. Anymore. Let me tell you what Melba toast is back in here. Scott or Webker, another question. If there isn't a, this is baseball related and Reds related. If there isn't a 2020 season, the Reds will most likely lose Trevor Bauer and Anthony Discalfani to free agency. Who do the Reds replace them with? either from the farm like Nick Lodolo or in free agents like Mike Miner. I think it's really too soon to even discuss that, is my opinion. I mean, I think Lodolo should be ready awfully soon. So I guess, you know, but he's, he's going to be a five-star or four-star at the best. Um, a lot of teams are going to be losing free agents. I don't know. I think it's going to be a free-for-all. But, but so much of it's going to depend on what happens with these negotiations and then going into the CBA next year. I just... I'm not sure I'm ready to even who speculate knows? with that. Yeah, who knows? Do they even want to replace anybody? You, you know what I mean? Like, what if uh, Castellanos leaves? And now do they do they rebuild again? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. And I, I don't have the energy for it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I really am sorry not to give a decent answer to that question. But I just, I can't muster up the intellectual energy to think through those scenarios. Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of scary that... that to think about the Reds finally tried to, to actually win. We don't know how good they were going to be. They tried to win, and then we're not getting a season here, or at least not a season like we expected anyway, and that it could, if everything goes awry and the season doesn't happen, that the Reds could have been, could literally look at their bottom line, given what's going on in the last bit, and probably be justified. It depends on your perspective, but in saying, I don't know if they'd be justified or not, but this is, I can see them saying, we spent our, we spent our cash, we're, we're strapped right now, we have to, we have to back up a little bit 
And I don't know if it means restarting a, a rebuild, but yeah, you lose Castellanos, you lose Trevor Bauer, and all of a sudden things look a little bit uh, uh, rough in the Red Leg Nation when it was a year that we expected things to look at least some amount better. And that's the maybe that's the most disheartening part of all this is that finally we had some expectations and we're not getting it. All right, one more question, and then we're out, Chris Garber. And I hesitate to even answer this, because it's Joe Farsing being ludicrous again. His question, if Bruce... He's already had his question. He has, but, you know, he, he it's kind of a loop, loophole, because he began his first statement by saying, this is not a question, so I'm going to let him get oh, in. Oh, okay, the well, I'll allow it. <laughs> there you go. Overruled. Uh, Joe asks, if Bruce Springsteen and Melissa McCarthy were to step into the boxing ring... Would anyone really win if either were able to walk out? That's mean. It's mean, and I'm not going to stand for this slander against Melissa McCarthy. I I will be very honest. This question, sorry, this statement with a question mark at the end. uh, We we know what I should have said at the beginning. I'll allow it. But watch yourself. <laughs> there you go. I've never used that. I got to use that so quickly. Here this this better. This better go someplace. I don't know what. <laughs> whatever they say. Uh, but uh, this is the last thirty seconds. Is the first time I've thought of Bruce Springsteen or Melissa McCarthy in eighteen months. <laughs> That's the only good thing about so this uh, pandemic. They have. They have no space. They have no rent in my head <laughs> at all. I just say Melissa McCarthy has to win that one because. I've long said that when we do the Red Leg Nation radio movie, I want to be uh, played by Melissa McCarthy. So yeah, fair. Yeah. All right. That's enough questions for now. Uh, one last thing I wanted to talk about quickly before we get out, and that is, I feel like I need to address this. We, uh, you know, last week we uh, played a, a podcast that Chris and I had recorded a while back. Uh, for our Patreon subscribers, one of our Patreon exclusive ones. We put that in the regular feed, and and the reason why is because last week. As many of you know, we had a a death in, in my family, and my grandmother passed away. And the reason I want to mention that here is, the, obviously, you know, it's a, it would affect anyone when your grandmother dies. It certainly affected me. Um, she was my you know, when my first grandmother passed away. It was it was bad, and this one's bad as well. You know how it is. But this particular grandmother has it's a it's a, a Reds related uh, some memories. You know, if you have the big fifty, the men and moments that made the Cincinnati Reds, and you look at the dedication, you'll know that the, the, my first dedication was to my grandmother. Dorothy Dotson, and uh, she passed away at age uh, 92 this past week. And she, uh, she and her husband, who passed away when I was nine, he's really the biggest reason I'm such a crazy Reds fan. Uh, the last conversation I ever had with him was about uh, about baseball and how it's the greatest game. And I, I feel confident that's why it got, ended up getting stuck in my head. And he was a big Reds fan. But she also uh, has such a played such a formative role. And Chris and I talked about uh, about my grandmother off and on while we wrote the book and then afterwards. And, uh, you know, I pulled up an email that I sent Chris. Uh, I guess it's, you know, well, I've probably got the date on it here somewhere. But uh, this was October of 2018. So that was the year that the book came out. So it was a few months, you know, the end of that uh, baseball season ever came out. And I went to visit my grandmother. She was in this long-term care facility and doing great at the time. I mean, she was just a fighter. And it was her 91st birthday when I went to see her. And, uh, first of all, she asked me to forgive her for taking so long to start the book. Um, but she was almost finished at that point. And, uh, all she wanted to do was talk about the book and how much she loved all the stories in there. And over and over, she kept saying, I just feels like I'm at the game when I'm reading it. And nothing, no praise that we've had over that book made me feel better 
than that. But she would talk about, oh, man, and what about that boy with the back-to-back no-hitters? And how about the way old Joe Morgan was hurt? But he sat back and learned what he needed to do. So smart. <laughs> These were her quotes. Oh, you remember when Ted Williams told that tall boy about his pitch? And then he was great. <laughs> Talking about <laughs> Yule Blackwell. So, um and then she said she saw the chapter Sparky and George. And that, that Chris's idea named the chapter on Sparky Anderson. You know, George Sparky and named it Sparky and George. She said she asked herself, I know about Sparky, but who's George? And then she was, she was just delighted to find out that it was the same guy. And she would go on and on about how nice Sparky was and everything. And uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I've shared that with Chris. I got her a big kick out of that. She said that every day she got up, she flipped the calendar the next day, read her Bible, and then read the Big 50. <laughs> and I'm telling you, man, that really... Uh, affected me she uh and then for uh, for halloween this past year uh all she wanted was for me to get her a uh a pete, she was a big pete rose fan okay 92 years old she wanted to be they dressed up for halloween every year at uh, her facility she was at and and she was sharp to the very end i mean she never lost uh, that uh, that brain and uh so she wanted to dress up as as pete rose so i got her a, a full reds uniform pete rose in her little size she was five feet tall this little tiny Italian girl, you know, her maiden name was Tumalo, born in Philadelphia. Her parents were born in Italy and, uh, she just wanted to be Pete Rose. So I got this great picture. It's on our refrigerator of her on her Walker wearing her Pete Rose uniform. And, uh, I don't know. It was just, uh, she was a really, really special woman. She, she called into the school, made up a dentist appointment so I could get out of school to watch opening day when I was in high school. <laughs> I've got a million stories that related to the Reds and, and related to her. And I just wanted to, um, Say thank you to uh, to my grandmother uh, Dot Dotson for contributing to my Reds fandom, and uh, you will be missed. Uh, we love you, Mamma. So anyway, Chris, uh, any final comments? I, I, I sort of put you in a bad spot to make any comments here, but <laughs> yeah, follow that. No, I, I'm just so glad that you sh- that that I was able to to hear those stories about your grandmother. Just uh, I wish I was able to meet her sometime. Yeah, she was she was something else. Um, okay. One last thing, uh, Chris, I want your prediction now, your percentage. Do we get baseball in 2020? Can you put a a percentage on yes or no? 60% yes. I think I I think I I think I'm going to agree with you. I started to say 60% no, but I think it's probably 60% yes. I hope there's still enough uh, you know, sense in the room to understand we need it. All right, this is Red Leg Nation Radio. You can subscribe to us wherever you find your podcast. Go to redlegnation.com. Uh, every day we're supporting the Reds. You can find Chris uh, at cgarber8 on Twitter. We're at Red Leg Nation Radio on Twitter. I'm not on Twitter, so just don't bother. Until baseball season starts, then I'll be back and saying all the dumb stuff I say on there. Chris, thank you again for joining me this week, buddy. My pleasure. All right. For Chris Garber and Dorothy Dot Dotson, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.